Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter, and it's Pandemic Monday. Just yesterday, Florida recorded over 16,000 cases, and they're saying that at the rate at which we're going, we're averaging, if we average 60,000 cases a day, but in 27 days, we will reach 5 million. So I'm hoping that that number uh, don't turn really quickly because that is unprecedented and unbelievable. But the truth of the matter is it is more likely to happen than not to happen simply because of the numbers. Because now even here in Michigan, we're seeing where after 4th of July weekend, after the 4th of July, a lot of places are now showing where people had gathered in large numbers on lakes and bars and so on summertime activities, we're now seeing an emergence of the coronavirus. Isn't that incredible? Really incredible. I think America, we kind of are in a state right now where we are beyond crisis. And I think that in a lot of ways, we're not as aware as we should be because we're in denial. We're still thinking it's something that's made up. It's a hoax. It's not real. It's something the Democrats made up. It's something the CDC made up. It's something Dr. Fauci made up. And as long as we continue to live in that kind of denial, we're never going to fix the problem. Whether or not you want to believe that this was created by somebody, whether they did it in a, in a lab in China or someplace, the fact of the matter is that this, we are in the midst of it. We're in a pandemic and it is bad. It is incredibly, incredibly bad. So I want to give a shout out to everybody this morning. Uh, we still have a lot to cover because this morning I want to talk about another issue that the pandemic has created. It has exacerbated a housing crisis. That's right. We're in the midst of a housing crisis and don't even know it. Like seriously, like seriously. Uh, Americans are too arrogant. That might be true. That might be true. I agree. We, we probably felt somewhat like we didn't need to wear a mask and that we are the greatest country in the world. We, have, we kind of took things a little for granted that maybe we had a healthcare system that was impervious to viruses. And now we're stuck. Now we're kind of like in this mode where we don't know where we're going or where we're coming from. So the question I want to ask is, we're in the midst of a housing crisis and we don't know it. And what are we going to do about it? Right? The housing crisis created by the pandemic. Uh, isn't that something? And so I'm typing something. Right? So I want us to, uh, I want us to take a moment to think about where we are and what we are going to do about where we are. I want us to take a moment, and I have some numbers for you that are absolutely shocking. Don't dismay. These are the numbers. They're real. It is happening to people. Right now in the state of Michigan, the governor had called for a moratorium on July 1st for evictions not to happen until after July 15th. Well, July 15th is two days from now. Also, by the end of this month, the pandemic uh, unemployment benefits and the, the emoluments under the CARES Act run out at the end of July. That means a lot of folks who got help and received help from 
for their mortgages, for delayed payments or mortgages, utilities, and rent, those things are coming due. A lot of people, you can see through my eyes, right? It keeps me up at night because I keep thinking, if the housing crisis becomes exacerbated, what will people do? What are people going to do? What will families do in the midst of this? What can policymakers do and why haven't they done something to prevent a burgeoning crisis that is coming? Perhaps they're not seeing it the way you and I are seeing it. Maybe they're not close to the ground as you and I are. We're close to it because we invariably know someone who is going to be affected by it, the guy who does your landscaping. Even if you think you are as many layers between that, the guy who does your landscaping. Maybe you work for a Fortune 500 company and they have uh, turned your job away. Maybe your job doesn't exist anymore. Maybe you work for a law firm and you find out that your position is gone because now with the pandemic, people are beginning to think that, wait, I don't need an office. Everybody can work from home. It's cheaper, right? Which is what the rest of us have been saying forever. Women who are pregnant, the disabled, and so on. Haven't we been saying that? Let people work from home. So now employers are saying, well, I can reduce the number of my staff because people are actually more productive when they work from home. Raise your hand if that's true. Isn't that true? You find that you get more done because you're more relaxed about it. Just grab your laptop and you sit on the couch or you sit at your desk and you find that you're able to concentrate and work. Some people say, well, I have the kids running around and I'm homeschooling the kids. It just means that you manage your time better. So the kids go out, you do your work later on at night while the kids are playing and running around during the day. But we're still getting the work done. And so now that a lot of this has changed, or our environment has changed, our world has changed, and in a way that we did not anticipate. I think as Americans, we like to think that we are more in control than we really are. We wanted to be given the benefit of the doubt and to be given the opportunity for us to make a call and to make a determination about whether or not it was us who made this choice. We didn't get that choice with this virus. The virus is making choices for us. It is unseemly for us to watch Florida, especially the Miami-Dade area, to see the number of cases rise every day. It is of grave concern to the rest of us. It spells a lot of issues later on. Now, the thing with this virus is that Initially, we didn't see the mortality rates increase, and we know that mortality rates follow the virus. So people fight the good fight for their lives for two to three weeks, and then within a short space of within three weeks, the mortality rates will start increasing. So that's going to cause a lot of death, a lot of displacement, and a lot of horror. But I want to talk about the housing crisis and how it's fair to say, there's a story on brookings.edu. If you go to my blog talk radio page, the link is in the text, is in the copy that we have written, is in the text. You can click on the link and it will take you to the story. And the Brookings Institute examined this in particular. I was very curious about this because, as you know, I'm a member of Hands Detroit, Homeless Action Network of Detroit, right? And so we've been getting information about what to do about the coronavirus and the resulting displacement that it has placed on families. So we know that this has happened. In fact, our homelessness has increased tremendously, our homeless number, because you can pace it with economics. Don't watch the stock market. 
the stock market does not apply to real-life people. The stock market is for rich people and very wealthy people to play stocks with. It's kind of like their own game of chess and chessboard. So the stock market, watching the stock market does not impact your life and mine. It just means the bank gets a chance to charge us more rates, and they determine that we pay more rates on our mortgages, our credit cards, and other loans. The stock market doesn't apply to these folks I'm going to talk about. It doesn't apply to you and I, right? Uh, people are rushing to comment here. Winter will be bad with this virus compounded with the flu. Oh, man. Dude, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, winter is going to be bad compounded with the flu and this, but it's also the way we responded to it. That's the kicker. The housing crisis was trending prior to the pandemic. And I'm going to tell you why. I was a little bit concerned when I read in one report that 110 million Americans are renters. Are you listening to me? According to not this census data, but the previous census data, there are over 363 million people in America. 110 million is almost one-third of the population. One-third of our population are renters is a very bad idea. As far as I'm concerned, renting is always insecure. If you lose your job, you don't pay your rent. By the fifth day, they post a notice on your door and you're evicted. I never liked the idea of renting. I've always liked the idea that if you buy a house, then chances are if you, know, you lose your job, you will have three to six months to come up with a plan to get out of it. But under the terms of, of, of lending nowadays, it seems like if you miss a payment, they can kick you out in 15 days. That certainly seems to be what is going to happen in just a few short weeks. Many people are going to face a homeless crisis. Are you hearing me? We are in the midst of a homeless crisis, and we don't even know it. When the pandemic started in March, and states like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Washington, and so on, and Michigan, and a few others, when we had to shut down so that the virus would not spread any further, we recognized that people were going to be displaced. And so in an effort to minimize that, uh, Congress and the president and the White House got together and they said, well, we have to protect the American people as much as possible. I'm giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, okay? So don't judge me. <laughs> and they came together. They created a case that I thought the emoluments was low. I thought $1,200 was unreasonable and couldn't help anybody. I think they should have gone for $2,000 a month for three months. It would have prevented this housing crisis. $1,200 can't do jack by the time you, if you're paying mortgage of, say, six, seven, $800, plus you have car notes and so on, and utilities, it wasn't really going to help, and it was only a one-time payment. But that's what the president wanted. He did not want people to stay home because he thought it would hurt his re-election chances. Maybe if it were not an election year, he would have handled it different. Maybe he would have said, well, let's just give the people what they want, Next year we can recover, blah, blah, blah. But all he was thinking, he wanted people to get back out so that he could get people in his hotels and he could get people to go to the, his rallies. Then people would think all is well and he would be reelected without having to work for it. Not so fast. 
the virus came, we shut everything down, and so people couldn't hurt. So who is going to be affected by this looming housing crisis? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you some numbers. Prior to the pandemic, 15% of American households were housing insecure. That's kind of high for a developed country. It's amazing to me how people like to say that uh, they like to talk about socialism and fascism and blah, blah, blah. And you never look at the real numbers. When, do you, when you talk about socialism, what are you talking about? Social programs that help your, your, your population, that help your people? Is that what you call socialism? Then what is the opposite? The opposite is now we're going to have a nation of homeless people. Which would you prefer? A nation of socialists and socialism who take care of your social responsibility or a nation of homelessness that is going to lead to high crimes. A nation that used to say you were democratic, but now with so many people being left homeless, you're going to cart them all together and put them on reservation and send them to work and enslave them for pennies a day. And you call yourself democratic. Is that what you want? Well, that's what you're doing, America. That's what you're telling people. You're saying a country, most European nations have these policies in place that protect their people. Did you know that? Sweden, Finland, Denmark, Belgium, especially in other European countries, have great social programs to protect the poor amongst them. There is no reason for people to live in hovels or to be homeless on the street. Did you know that? They put them in housing projects. In Germany, they're called housing projects. They put everybody in housing so nobody is on the street. Now, are you going to call Germany socialist? Are you going to call Finland socialist, Belgium socialist? So how are we going to talk about taking care of our people and call ourselves socialists at the same time? What is the alternative? 110 million Americans are renters. Hello, everybody. Tell me about that. Want to talk to me about that? If so many people are renters, one-third of our population are renters, we're in trouble. It should be 20 million people who are renters, not 110 million. That tells you that lending practices vary. Lending practices are draconian. That's what it tells you. And that people simply are not earning enough to qualify to buy a house. So let's look at what kind of jobs exist in this post-recession economy. Prior to the pandemic, 20 million, since the pandemic, 20 million people are out of work. As a matter of fact, at one point, 46 million people were out of work. In April, one in third persons did not pay rent since April. Since April, one in third persons have not paid their rent. Evictions and mortgages, unexpected utility, and home repairs happened increasingly during the pandemic. People delayed paying rent. People delayed paying mortgage. Hello. Hello. Anybody out there? Hi. Are you listening to me? I said evictions, delayed rent, partial mortgage payments happened during the pandemic. In April, one in three persons did not pay rent since April. What month is this? July. Do you know what's going to happen by the end of this month? The moratorium on eviction 
are going to expire. That means whole families are going to be out on the streets. In fact, those people already know who they are and are moving out. They're either crashing with relatives, which presents another problem that I'll go into in just a little bit. So what are the high-risk populations? The high-risk populations, Hispanic, Latino, and Black, low-income. Listen to this. 20% of low-income homeowners did not pay their full mortgage. 20% of low-income. I'm glad you saw it. 20% of low-income homeowners did not pay a full mortgage. One in five skipped a bill or paid late. 17% had an unexpected major house or appliance repair during the pandemic. It happens. Most of us have cushions, like you have American Home Shield or something like that. So you have some sort of cushion if you have an unexpected home repair or something like that. But most people who work jobs that are service jobs, they get paid 10 to $15 an hour. Both mom and pop are working because you don't get 40 hours a week. 40 hours a week at $10 an hour probably would make a difference, but you get 30 or 25. Work killed at hours. And people do not get paid enough to make it. Meanwhile, the people who own these companies, like the restaurants and the big box stores, they're highlighting it out of here. They were on yachts during the pandemic and posting pictures on social media of how they and their families can social distance in their homes because they live in 12,000 square foot homes so they can social distance. I live in a small house. We did social distance, everybody to your own room. Thank you. Communal kitchen, hey. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) That was our social distancing. Everybody to your own room. Occasionally watch TV. Everybody has their own TV. I kid you not. So what I'm saying is the pandemic highlighted the equities, the inequities and the disparities that already existed. One of the major areas that it it highlighted this was was in healthcare. But the other major area that is now becoming apparent is housing. And this is a major issue because, you know, you can delay going to the doctor like, okay, I can take a pill for the headache I'm feeling. Okay, I think I have hypertension. Maybe if I back off the salt or so. But you know what? You can't delay a housing crisis. If you got to go, you got to go. If you have to move, you have to move. What are you going to do? I kid you not. I kid you not, friends. It, it's on in real time. It's going to happen right before our very eyes. Landlords across the country. You know how I knew this was going to be a problem was As I drive throughout the country, you know, over the last two to three years, I've been asking myself, I said, I'm seeing fewer houses being built, but seeing more apartments going up. And I kept saying to myself, that's a major investment to go build apartments, but not build houses. I saw right across the country, it wasn't just in the north, I thought it was just a Midwestern thing, but in other parts of the country, I noticed that there were fewer subdivisions being built, but more apartments. Everywhere you go, there are more apartments. Everywhere you go, you see ads for apartment living and condo living. And you have to ask yourself, why is it that people can go put, scrape together the money to make the deposit to go into an apartment, but it's harder to buy a house? 
ever since the 2008-2009 recession, they've made it harder. The, the, the platforms and the access to qualify are way too high for people to be able to access. You have to have a perfect credit score. You have to have no issues on your credit record. And you have to have a job that pays more. But where are those things? After the 2008 recession, all that stuff disappeared. First, secondly, the Republicans made sure that we are an at-will country. That means you can go to work and they can fire you today or they can fire you tomorrow. Because they can fire you at will, they're not, they also do what? They also pay you at will. So now what we have seen is that we created a whole generation of renters. At 40 years ago, it used to be that you went to work Right? And you work so that you could make a down payment and you could buy a house. And you stayed in that house. But that evaporated. And now nobody cares. They don't care. As the same people who would build developments for a house are the same people building developments for apartments. Quick money. Apartment. When you rent an apartment, understand the landlord does not care. It is a low risk for him because why? He kicks you out, he finds another renter. Sucks to be you. But if you if he builds you a house, he has to wait on the books for six to eight months to find another buyer. But in less than two months, he can find a renter. Cheaper for him. So there's more investment in apartments. An apartment living short-term housing is what I call it, as opposed to helping people to get into permanent housing, which is buying a house. This housing crisis has been in the making for a while. The pandemic exacerbated it. And what it is doing, it is depicting clearly the disparities in wealth in America. And it is showing that we have moved from our core. We used to be a nation that created the American dream. If you watch foreign shows all over the world, you'll hear people reference the American dream. Going up, go to college, get a job, buy a house with a picket white picket fence, buy a car, have a two-car garage. That's the American dream. And you retire and you pay off your house and you're good. That evaporated. All of you are laughing now because we're all saying that hasn't happened in 25 years. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right? What has happened instead, that whole thing has evaporated. It's a new breed of people who are entrepreneurs today. It's a new breed of people who are business people. It's a whole new breed of people who employ people. They don't care today. What they care about is making enough money that they can go high life and play golf and hang out with each other. They do not care. You are a problem. They don't care about your problem. I read a story in talking about the inequities that exist in the society, and they were saying that the billionaires in, in, in Silicon Valley don't care that what we are seeing from the government is the same way the tech billionaires feel, that the tech billionaires, in fact, initiated this. They don't care. What you're seeing is America has become a land of elitism, the very thing that our founders ran away from. The very thing that they ran away from England from is the very thing 250 years later we have created, a nation of elitism, where people feel that they are part of the power structure, they're part of the white power structure, and they're elite, and they don't give a fig for anybody else. 
I would almost go as far as saying the coronavirus is wreaking havoc in southern states like Texas, Arizona, and Florida. The majority population in those states are who? Brown people, Hispanics, Latinos. And the coronavirus is doing what? Wreaking havoc. Let me give you some more numbers. If that didn't shock you, here are some more. The high-risk population that are at risk right now for eviction, Hispanic and Latino. They're low-income homeowners. Get this. 20% of homes did not pay their full mortgage during the pandemic. One in five stabil or paid late. 17% experienced an unexpected major house or appliance repair. Listen to this. Renters, Hispanic and Latino, are spiraling, and they now own half of income. They own, they owe half of income on their homeowners' mortgages. Are you listening to me? Utility payments and major home repairs exacerbated during the pandemic because these things happen. You ever heard the thing, you save your money up, and as soon as you put some money aside, here comes something. Happens all the time because you don't have enough layers. Home repairs sometimes, it started small, but you didn't have the money to fix it when it started small. So when it became a problem, and now you have to fix it and wipe out everything that you have. 30% of Hispanic homeowners lost their jobs during the pandemic. 44% experienced a decrease in work hours. There, I, I kid you not, you've got to read this thing. Renters are unlikely to have emergency or rainy day funds. First of all, rent is higher than mortgage. That's been our experience, right? So you're paying rent of 1200 a month for a two-bedroom. But if you were to pay mortgage on the same thing, it probably would be 950 maybe $850, $750, $650. But the rent is twice that. So naturally, people who pay mortgage, they can save more because they're actually paying less for housing. But people who pay rent pay more. Check this out. There's something else you need to hear about this. Pandemic unemployment is about to end. Most people can't handle a $400 emergency. Are you ready for this? 40% of Latino, Black, Hispanic households did not receive the CARES Act cash. That's true. They didn't get their unemployment benefits, all kinds of glitches in the system. Now, the moratoriums are about to end across the country. Evictions, foreclosures, and utility shutoffs are going to be rampant. The CARES Act did freeze evictions for public housing and federally assisted, federally uh, subsidized mortgages. It did freeze that for that. But you had to call your individual mortgage, mortgage company and your landlord to work out a deal. Well, the landlord is like, well, the government ain't paying me. You are. My contract is not with the government. It's between me and you. So what's up? So it's been, it's July. So let's say most people didn't make a payment in April because they didn't work towards the end of March. Then by the time they got their stimulus, they paid, made a half payment. They might not have made a payment in May or June. That mortgage is sliding into foreclosure. 
I'm 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 like out of it. I'm out of it. Prior to the pandemic, low-income individuals experienced greater levels of hardship, housing, financials, and so on. Here is my problem. One of the big problems that we're going to have going forward is that to ease the housing crisis so a lot of people are not displaced and living on the bridges or in tent cities across America, to ease that, a lot of people are going to move in with other family members. It's what we call multi-generational living, right? So you have grandma, then child, and then grandchild, multi-generational. Children are going to go back to school. Child is going to go out to work. And everybody is going to mix in this communal pot. And guess what happens? It's a petri dish for the coronavirus. In fact, that's what we're seeing in some of these communities across the country and across the South that the virus uh, spreads faster in multi-generational households. I kid you not. And these are a direct cause of the pandemic because people lost their jobs and had to move in with one another. In a lot of these situations, too, people had to move in together because of low-income jobs. It's not just a whole other group of people, a whole other demographic called undocumented immigrants we're worried about. We're worried about people who are just living day by day. There are other populations that are at risk for being facing a housing crisis right now. People who have just been released from prison. Remember they released a lot of people from prison? Remember when I said, where are all these people going to live? They're going to go back to their communities? Well, who are they going to live with? Family members. They took the virus with them. A lot of people who are unhoused, meaning they lost their home because they couldn't make their payments on their rent or mortgages. Those people now have lost their reason to live. My friends, it's a crisis. Whether we like it or not, you can see the stress under my eyes because in preparing for this, I had to read a lot. And it's been, to be frank, I'm going to be honest with you, my friends, I've been reading about this for two weeks now because I recognized that this was going to be a problem. And it's been top of mind. It's given me sleepless nights. I imagine I'm absorbing the angst for some of the folks who don't know what they're going to do, who don't know how they're going to make it who don't know where to go. I can tell you I'm grateful by the grace of God that I have shelter. You don't know how much I pray for that. You don't know how much that means to me. But what about you? What about people whom you might know or people whom I might know of? I'm grateful that most of the people I know personally in my intimate circle are housing secure. They never have to worry about their housing. But what about people who work? What about other people? What about other people whose situations become clear to them? I kid you not. It's something that is, if, if it bothers me, it should bother legislators. It should bother elected representatives. It should bother people who initiate and who are the caretakers and the underwriters of public policy. It should bother all of us that we are approaching a housing crisis of unprecedented proportions not seen since the Great Depression. And we have nothing to do with it. We have no shortfalls in place because the federal government still does not believe that this is a pandemic. As long as they don't believe it's a pandemic, as long as they don't act like it is, they are not going to enact what they can do to stop it. Yes, it can be stopped. Did you, do you believe it? Yes, the gov- it's the government who can stop it. The government can help, 
But as long as the government is in denial that this is a pandemic and that people's lives are being affected, it doesn't matter if you're part of the Red Party or the Blue Party or if you're no party or if you're in between. As far as I'm concerned right now, I'm standing right in the midst of the people who need help and the people who can help. I need the people who can help to build a bridge to get to the people who need the help right now. I'm going to be that bridge to open my mouth and talk about it. So be it. We need an exodus out of this. So if you're listening to me and you're part of the red party and you think there are the most of these people are part of the blue party, forget about that and just imagine the blue, red, white, and blue flag. We're all part of that flag. So build a bridge to get to these folks because we're about to see people living on the streets. Your country, the country you think you are so proud of is about to become 10 city central because people will be living in card boxes and tents because they can't afford housing. That is our reality. Let me put it to you this way. Evictions and foreclosures. For us to fully understand this, we've got to put ourselves in the mindset of where we are and how did we get here. We got here because of public policy. We got here because a group of people got together and said, away with the unions. The unions are bad for business. We are a party that supports big business. And in getting rid of the unions, you created areas and jobs that pay $10 an hour. You created jobs where people work 25 to 30 hours a week so they can't buy a house. So you said, well, I am the businessman. I have the money. They can't buy a house. I can build an apartment so they can live in. I'm still making money either way. We created opportunities. Bill Clinton was the architect for the global economy. Remember him? Oh, he was tauter of that. He promised American companies and American CEOs that they would make billions of dollars in profits if they took their businesses overseas. They could get cheap labor in China. Remember 1997, 98, 99. Y'all remember that? Remember 96? Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, the architect of the global economy, was his idea. He perpetrated that idea. He promised American businessmen that they would make so much money if they took jobs out of America, in effect, defunding the American economy, pulling out the underpinnings of the economy. The few jobs that remain, they're like, hell no, we're not paying any union. We're going to pay you what we can pay you. So they looked at the rest of the world and they're like, American workers need to line up with the rest of the world. American workers get earned too much because they can't push them around because of legislation. So they decided to change it. Well, we'll just take our business to China where we can do whatever we want with the people over there. China smiled and said, okay, come. Built up their economy. Built up their system. And now they're a world power. Who is the laugh on? You or China? Think about that. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? In the meantime... Wealth in America and wealth equity eroded. The beginning of wealth in any society is home ownership. The minute you own a house, you have equity. You are now valued more than what you have in the bank. The, va- the property value 
is what you own. So your name on a piece of property, whatever that property is valued at, that's what your wealth is. So if we don't own homes, we pull the wealth out from underneath people. You realize that when people own a home, they take more chances, right? They go borrow against their mortgage. They borrow against their property to send a kid to school. They borrow against their property for home improvement, which just increases the value. They borrow against their property to go buy other stuff. But people have become short-term, all of us. And you only think as far as, well, how much money am I going to make when they swipe that card? It's just like the stuff we buy on Amazon, how long it lasts. It's all made in China, so it lasts as long as you say the word made in China. I kid you not. I kid you not. That's not a slur. That's facts. Right? And so now we find ourselves in a situation where we really have to sit back and think, what kind of society do we want? What do we want out of this? What is it that we are looking for? What works for us? Because now, having removed the wealth and the equity out of our society, we have nothing. So low-income to moderate-income people, people who get paid by the hour, the 10 and 9 and 10 and $12 an hour people who work 25 to $30 an hour, they're who are at risk, not just for housing, but for education, for low-income housing, for healthcare disparities. We've created deliberately by our lack of action or inaction, we have deliberately created an underclass. We have deliberately created a class system in America that does not have a middle class, but it's either you are rich or you are poor. There's no middle ground in between. If you were to ask somebody today, people will tell you, oh, I'm middle class, and I'm like, show me your money. Because middle class has nothing to do with where you live today, but it's how much money you got in the bank. Because you can live in a certain zip code, in a certain neighborhood, and you're so underwater, you can't even find $5 in your home equity. Can't find nothing. One paycheck away from losing everything. That was not how America was designed. But yet, here we are. So what are the solutions? What are the solutions? Well, it's up to the federal government. The federal government can intervene in this crisis right now. How can they intervene? Fund local agencies that are providing housing. Go back to Congress and say we need a moratorium on evictions and people being evicted for their non-payment of mortgages. That's how we can do that. The federal government can help. And we need to put pressure on legislators to go and agitate for help. The other way in which we can do in a long-term view is we must invest. In education, we must invest in healthcare. How is it that we criticize countries that provide these facilities and provide these programs for their, for, their, for their people? Consequently, they have lower rates of infection. They have lower rates of sicknesses across the spectrum. They have lower rates of crime. Do you wonder why? Because countries that invest in education, that invest in housing for their people, have lower rates of everything else that is bad. We look at it like it's either you're rich or you're poor. We have created an underclass in America because we don't like the color of people's skin. And we look at them and say, well, I am the elite. And I am going to stay elite and I don't care about you. 
I, I have something to tell you. With that kind of thinking and that kind of ideology, you won't get very far. Pretty soon we'll just become a nation where most of us will be third world. And if we become third world, we can't leave the rest of the world. Trust me on that. We have 363 million people. I don't know what the current census is going to show. But if 110 million people are renters, we're headed in the wrong direction and trending in the wrong direction. One way that the federal government can do is federally fund health centers. What's so wrong about that? Can I just ask you that? What's wrong about that? What is wrong with providing health care for all your people? What is socialist about that? Other white countries do it. You're majority white. That's what you like to tell us. That white supremacy is your ideology and your governing uh, policy. Countries that are pro, pure pro-white and fully white. That's what they do to their people. We have to do this, though. If you don't do it, well, deal with that. We also have a situation here. Let's talk about multi-generational. This, this bothers me because one of the things I have found is that multi-generational housing is, is, is a problem, and it's happening more and more frequently in America. It never used to happen. You know, you'd go visit your grandparents. Now you live with them. You used to go visit your parents. Now you live with them. That's multi-generational housing. It breeds a lot of problems, and we're seeing it more and more simply because of wages. We don't have salaries anymore. We have wages. And as long as we continue to breed this ground inequalities in wages, we're going to have inequalities in housing, and it's only a matter of time before crime becomes so high, not even a gated community can keep it, keep it out. Are you going to work in your gated community and not come out? How about when you want to go to the beach? In multi-generational households, there's no social distancing or access to health care. I, I want to leave you with this. There's a whole group of people who are undocumented, and they were the ones who, frankly, do most of the jobs, the menial jobs and the service jobs. They had no protections. They couldn't apply for the CARES Act. Uh, unemployment because they don't have, they're undocumented. They're the people who are most at risk right now for this housing crisis. They also have family members who may not be undocumented, but who they have to go move in with and live with. That multi-generational household is a breeding ground because children are going to come in. Different people have different tolerance levels based on age disparities and healthcare. And people who are undocumented don't go to the doctor. So if they've lived here for 20 years, chances are they have not been to the doctor one day in their lives. They don't know if their blood sugar is high or low. They don't know if they have blood pressure. They don't know what a stroke is. They've been working and working. And the constant stress and trauma of worrying about your everyday existence adds up. Maybe when you were 20, you looked at it and said, yes, I can do it. It won't be so long. It won't take that long. But then before you know it, you turn 40. And you're still doing it, and you start wondering, is there an end to this? Is this going to end? And then before you know it, you're 50. Your kids have grown up and have kids now. And here you are, still undocumented, 
still working for day-to-day existence, still no protection that you can retire and relax and look forward to, still doing back-breaking work, still doing heavy work, lifting. We have become such a service economy that women are working in situations we never had to work in before. You're lifting boxes. It's contributing to back pain and lower back pain, and people are getting more fibroids and heavy, heavier periods and having headaches and stresses and high blood pressure and all kinds of illnesses related to just physical manual labor of lifting and pushing and standing on your feet for long, long hours in factories and restaurant situations across the country. And nobody is hearing. There is nobody out there. Hello, America. There's nobody hearing because the power elite is most concerned about how their sexual pleasures will be satisfied and how much champagne they can drink on a freaking yacht in the Caribbean or somewhere in the south of freaking France. And they don't give up for the people who work for them. We have become a nation who does not care about the other. We should change our motto that says out of many one, we should say, I don't care about any but one. That's our new motto. I don't care about any but one. That's the nation that we have become. We now have a housing crisis that is happening in real time. People are sick in hospitals about to die. They're going to be terminated. They're going to be buried. They're going to be cremated. And their family members will be left with nothing. When I say nothing, I mean nothing. They won't have anywhere to live. They don't have anything to start off on. We have become a nation who does not care. It's not out of many one. It's out of many me alone. What are we going to do? The investment that we can make. We have the resources. The government is not broke, never will be, never has been. We can make the investment in education. We can make the investment in affordable housing. What is wrong with us? We can create affordable housing. Housing does not have to mean $750,000 in California. It can be $50,000. So people can find somewhere to live. Why do we have 10 cities in L.A. and 10 cities in San Francisco and on the other side of the mountain? It's $5 million residences. It is ridiculous, and we're going to pay for it. We are going to pay for it. We're not going to get away with it because it's a slippery slope. So those of you who live in the $5 million and $2 million houses understand that one day you might end up sliding right downhill. So it behooves all of us to fight for everybody because the protections that they put in the system is going to help all of us, be that as it may. My name is Harriet Kimmick. I invite you to go to my website, harrietkimmick.com, as well as visit my page on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Make sure you share this message with everyone. And if you can help, go to the American Red Cross. Go to the Salvation Army. Find a local a homing network, homeless network in your area and make a donation. If you have a house that you can put up for rent or can house somebody, let the people in your city, in your county, in your state know that you can help. I encourage you to help us delay, help us defer this housing crisis so it doesn't become a humanitarian crisis. It is a humanitarian crisis. It is all our problem. And for those of you who are wealthy enough, that you can afford to put 60,000 feet between yourself and your nearest family member, good luck to you. Make sure that you still uh, uh, proselytize and that you still agitate for housing change. We need this. 
as a matter of course right now. As usual, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Harriet Kimmer. Go to my website and get my book, Through the Fire. Where is it? Where is it? Through the Fire. That book is available. Uh, a Facebook friend bought it the other day and, and, and sent me a text to show me he got it. Through the Fire, available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. It talks about how I could almost have been homeless. Had it not been for the grace of God, I still had a mother who said, come and live with me so that I could run away from violence and not be on the street. Now you know my passion. Thank you so much, everybody. Get the book. It helps us to keep people housed. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks, everybody. Hey, where are you all at? Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed.